hops, hops, hops. Hoppity hop, hop. Hops in my belly, <coughs> hops in my beer. It's my audio middle finger to look Beers and bitters, bitters and beers. Most melons. Unique New York. Unique New York. Lucas Sellers. This sliced pork is so hot right now. Kevin Rock. Alex, put your pants back on. to the third episode of Sauced on Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue. I'm your host, Kevin, and today we're, I'm only joined by one of my co-hosts, Alex. Lucas is unable to join us, so Alex, how are you? I'm great, and I'm curious, are we going to start by listing the number of every episode before we start? I think so. I, I always love on uh, Late Night with, uh, or I guess it's just Tonight Show now, with Jimmy Fallon. The Roots shout out what episode number they're on. Do they? I've yeah. never noticed that. Yeah, watch Questlove sometime. Well, then let's do it. All right, so this is episode number three. And just to recap, episode one, we talked about bourbons. Episode two, we talked about the dreaded pumpkin beer. And Oktoberfest. And Oktoberfest. I was going to get to that. <laughs> so episode three today is on my third favorite food, or I guess third favorite topic, not food. First favorite food, and that would be barbecue. Mm. And Alex and I decided that we needed to do a little bit of show research and prep for this show. So we decided that we were going to go get some barbecue for lunch today. And went to probably, I wouldn't say the, I would maybe the best, one of the best. We'll say one of the best barbecue places in all of St. Louis. And that would be Sugarfire 44. I love Sugarfire. Now... I will say that of our uh, three mainstays, if you will, beer, bourbon, and barbecue, barbecue is probably the one that I have the least experience with. And so I have not been to many places for barbecue specifically, um, but Sugar Fire has always been my favorite, although one of the few. It's, it's amazing. And I would say barbecue is probably... The one I've been doing the longest out of uh, the three, because you don't have to be a legal age to enjoy and find barbecue. Um, but so today we went for lunch at Sugar Fire, and if you don't know what Sugar Fire is, it is a amazing artisan barbecue joint, and it's so much different than the normal barbecue joint uh, that you may be familiar with 
Um, I mean, it's just like barbecue heaven, kind of. It really is. And, and again, I've not been to many places, but the ones that I have been, it is a, a stark contrast to the typical offerings where, of course, you've got your barbecued pork, your brisket, uh, your ribs, uh, your turkeys, and, and you can get those in the form of sandwiches or not. You got some sides, but Sugar Fire really goes out of the way to give... And, and really every day they have something different, a really unique twist on their classics. They have the classics, but you can always get one of their, their many daily specials. And they even take the classics and I think elevate them to a new level as well. Um, like Alex said, they have their daily specials, but you can get their brisket in a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. And it's amazing. It's life-changing. Um, and their sides are amazing as well. I think their their sides are probably some of the best barbecue sides I've ever had. Oh yeah. They have a special list of hot and cold sides that changes daily. And then they've got always they are they always have potato salad. They always have coleslaw. They always have baked beans, and probably some of the most amazing hand cut French fries. Oh yeah, delicious. They're so crispy, and they make eating barbecue sauce so much easier. They're my favorite style of french fries, too. I love the thinner, crispier take, whereas my wife, she is, she is a fan of the um, thicker, I, I'd call the it a little mushier. The steak fry? Yes, steak fries. Uh, more akin to a, a tater tot than I particularly care for. So. so, we went for lunch, and I ordered a rib and brisket combo. And that was actually the best thing I've ever found on their menu. And I don't even know if it's on their menu, but they just do it. They do it anyway. They do it anyway. I wish it was the Kevin special. (laughs) Uh, But they give you four ribs, a very generous helping of brisket, and their ribs are some of the best ribs I've ever had. They just fall off the bone. They've got an amazing glaze. Um, Just amazing. They also have a Frito pie today. That was one of their specials. And it was like eating liquid meat <laughs> with Fritos and cheese on top. It was, their chili was just, I mean, I would say 95% either rib or brisket meat. Yeah, pretty much. It, it almost seemed fluid, all the meat that they had there, but it wasn't oh, bad. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and then I got some of their hand cut fries. My wife, Megan, got the spinart noodle dip. Or I guess it wasn't a dip, it was just noodles yeah, and spinach art. Spinach pasta. Dip. Yeah, and it was incredible the one thing though that i didn't get that i wish i would have gotten was the rib tots oh yeah those looked amazing they looked amazing but i opted for the frito pie but it's tater tot puffs with liquid golden cheese and rib meat i mean you cannot go wrong with that combination no definitely not and again i i love how as creative as these sides are it's not there every day like every day they have something different to offer i almost have to unfollow their instagram page because i'll get on in the morning before i go to work and they're posting their sides and they're posting their special for the day and it's like oh my goodness i just want to go there for lunch oh yeah i'd be broke but it'd be a good broke i mean i am broke but (laughs) yeah the first so their first location opened up and i think it was 2014 correct me if i'm wrong there 
Um, and it was opened up in uh, Olivet and St. Louis on Olive Boulevard, uh, just west of 170. And that is very close to my office. And so once it opened up, someone in my office found it. They just stumbled across it. And we all went there one day and, and fell in love with it right away to the point where many of us were going at least once a week for probably a good five or six months afterwards. And, and it was funny because you could always tell when somebody went there because, one, they came back smelling like it and not in a bad way. In a sort of you'd walk by your desk and be like, oh, you smell amazing. That's the best cologne ever, I'm pretty sure. And then the second clue was they'd usually be asleep at their desk because that heavy rich food really puts you down. And they have amazing soda as well. They have the Excel um, cane soda, uh, which is a local soda. I don't, do you brew soda? How do you make soda? Mix? I've never Mix, thought about it. combine. You enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy it. It's probably shaken, not stirred. <laughs> but it is the most amazing soda I've ever had in my entire life. The R-Pep is where it's at. It's like a Dr. Pepper on steroids. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, that's kind of so backtracking a little bit. So I got the ribs and brisket platter. My wife got the brisket. Then Alex went with the special today. Alex, what was today's special at so, Sugar Fire? Forty four. So forty four. One of one of their. I think it's now six or seven locations. Six locations they have open. They're opening their first out of state location in the next few months in Indiana. So Indiana, yes. look yeah. out. Good luck. Yes. It's Be amazing. very excited. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, the specials at this location today, there was a corn dog, a chili corn dog, which I don't remember everything that was on it, but it was really hard to not get it. It was basically a chili cheese dog, except it was a corn dog with brisket on top of it. Did it have a stick in it? I can't remember. That would make it really hard to eat. I don't think it did. Okay. Because you'd never reach it. No. Because it was covered under brisket. And the other one, which is the one I got, they, they christened the Scary Dairy. Scary and... Dairy. <laughs> and I think that was because of the uh, three cheese sauce that they had poured all over it. And so it was a, a brisket sandwich uh, topped with peppers and onions covered in a three cheese sauce and their Texas hot sauce. And we'll, we'll come back to this, but they've got quite a line of custom barbecue sauces which are amazing so this one featured the texas hot sauce and it was topped um all of that topped with a buffalo mac and cheese bite which was pretty much just buffalo mac and cheese fried into a ball and it looks set like a on top of there golden nugget of goodness that's exactly top. what it was um, you'll have to check out my instagram page i have a great picture of the sandwich with the golden nugget uh, broken open and you can see all the all the goodness that was inside i i ate that part first i'm not gonna lie and angels flew over it too right they and did blessed it i couldn't even hear what you guys were saying because i just heard that that ambient uh well i was eating it and all of that on a, a delicious buttered bun they put a skewer through it because you couldn't really hold it together without it but i, I told you to eat it open face and you manned up and you went full grab on each side and dived right in i couldn't talk for a while or use my hands <laughs> totally worth it so you also got their french fries and then anna got the biggest thing of macaroni and cheese that i've ever seen yes their mac and cheese is one of my favorite and probably my office's favorite mainstay sides that they have there i don't think they have it every day 
It's, they it's, need to. They they should. I don't get why they don't. Mike Johnson, if you listen to this, which you probably won't, but you should, please make your mac and cheese available every day for every us. Every day. So my wife got a, a turkey sandwich, which the turkey is my usual go-to. Uh, and she got the side of mac and cheese, which they serve in this gigantic bowl next to it. And she also got the fries because she loves a good side of french fries. And I'm not going to lie, I ate a lot of her mac and cheese, even though I had mac and cheese on top of my own sandwich. But you only had a nugget of mac and cheese. That's true. She had a dish or a well of golden mac and cheese. But... It was a amazing experience for lunch. It was probably the best show research we have ever done I think in our so. short three-show prep and research. It's definitely one we're going to have to come back to. Yes. And I, I spend most of the day fasting in preparation for it so that I could eat and savor every last bite, and it was totally worth it. It was one of the most enjoyable food babies I have ever had. <laughs> and we can't go on and on enough about it. I think... Let's jump back to the barbecue sauces real quick because I think that's what makes Sugar Fire so amazing is they have this entire line of amazing barbecue sauces. How many do they have? Because I thought I'd, I have in my head somewhere like 30 different kinds. I'm going to look it up right now. But they have so many, I mean, every type of barbecue sauce. Um So they have these barbecue sauces served in uh, just gigantic squirt bottles. And this comes back to the overall style and theme of the restaurant, which I also love, which is a very much a, a cafeteria style, really laid back, really casual. Um, the kind that really makes you want to dive in, have sauce all over your fingers and face. And it's okay because everyone else looks the same way. Uh, but you come in. Yeah, you make your order and they give you a tray and they just put this big old sheet of paper down. The butcher and that's paper. Yeah. Butcher paper. And they don't give you dishes. They just plop your food right down on the paper, which is awesome. So, if you don't mind eating with your hands. So I, I just found right now I'm seeing that they have six staple sauces. They have a coffee barbecue sauce. They have the white barbecue sauce, which is my favorite. They have the Honey Badger. They have the St. Louis Sweet. They have a Hot Carolina Sauce. Um, they have one called the Honey Badger. Which I don't know what that is. I think I've had it before. But it sounds fierce. It's it's so fierce that Kevin had to mention it twice. Did I mention it twice? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's how much I like it. That's I, how that's, good it was. I don't know. Well, I, I, I think I've had it. I don't remember. The white sauce is where it's at. It doesn't matter. The white sauce is the best barbecue sauce out there. I mean, I could eat it on everything. I, I've put it on my scrambled eggs before in the morning. <laughs> that sounds kind of gross. I'm it not was, as... <laughs> but it was so good. <laughs> gross and good at the same time. I'm not as big a fan of um, the white or more mayonnaise -y. I guess it's kind of mayonnaise -y. It's a horseradish Horseradish. Yes. I, I'm usually not a fan of that, but even that, they did really well, and that's one of the five sauce cups that I had in front of me today as I ate through my, my stack of fries. I would recommend everyone, when you hear this, just go to Google, type in Sugar Fire Barbecue, and just hit the image search. And I'm looking at, right now, 
brisket sandwiches and burgers and just chicken sandwiches and pies and we didn't even get your wife got pie they have sugar fire pie and it's amazing i've had oh my it's just i've had their muddy mississippi pie which is incredible it's like this chocolate pie that's got a chocolate crust and it's just it's such an amazing experience but all this comes from one guy mike johnson and mike johnson is i would say a barbecue genius a culinary genius how would you even describe him i mean he's got to be his food's amazing so we we kind of looked up you know we knew we were going to talk about sugar fire we knew we could go on forever about their food i mean just it's incredible but we wanted to find out a little bit more about about mike johnson and figure out you know how did he come up with this idea for sugar fire i mean he's got six locations about to open up another location on the state how did he come up with it where did it all come from so we did a little research and he actually trained with emerald lagasse who if you don't know who he is first of all you should look him up he's the food channel chef that would go bam bam and he'd throw things into his food to make it exciting and i just i remember growing up watching food channel and just watching him on it and it was always this excitement with him this fun and mike johnson actually trained under him when in new orleans when emerald was opening up his restaurants down there yeah he was introduced by his dad I read a couple of interviews that people have done with him over the last uh, couple of years as Sugar Fire has become such a big uh, namesake for St. Louis. And uh, when Mike was 16, 17, when he was young, uh, graduating high school, he wanted to uh, do something different than go to college like everyone else was, and he wanted to become a chef in New Orleans. And his dad was able to connect him with Emerald. And so he went down there and started working on his restaurant uh, with with Emerald at his new restaurant. And it just exploded from there. There were so many big-name chefs that came through there, like Julia Child, uh, Norman Van Eyken, Charlie Trotter, that he got to work with, and he would shadow them for a week or two, however long that they were there. And I'm sure that was an amazing experience. Um, I've, I've been one who... I've always enjoyed cooking. My dad's worked in food service for a long, long time, and so we've always done uh, different events and stuff, especially at our church, and I've always enjoyed that atmosphere, so I'm sure getting to see such well-known, experienced professionals at work was a huge inspiration. And so he also went over to Europe and learned European styles of cooking, which you can really see in his creativity, like how he... He combines these flavors, these local flavors and all that. And he came back over here to the United States. And he's opened up quite a few different restaurant restaurants in the area. Um, I've got a list here of things that he's been involved in. He's been involved in uh, Cafe Mara, which is now uh, 12 North, if you're familiar with that, in St. Louis. Uh, Barcelona, Momo's, Boogaloo. Figaro's, El Scorcho's, Cyrano's, uh, Roxanne's, Fu Manchu, and then right now he's doing Sugar Fire. And he said that in an article that he'd opened all these restaurants and he was just kind of getting burnt out. But the only thing that was exciting him was working with the smoker 
at, uh, I believe it was uh, Boogaloo. He he got they got a smoker in the back there, and he just started making all these different smoked meats and things like that. Then he went with uh, Myron Mixon, who's like a famous uh, barbecue operator. He's got tons of books out there. If you're looking for some good books on how to make good barbecue, he is a fantastic author. I actually have like three of his books. Um, just learning about different styles, different techniques and all that. And he went to a school that Mixon runs in his home kitchen in his house and learned the skills of barbecuing and came back here to St. Louis and opened Sugar Fire. And that's how we have this amazing barbecue place. Yeah, so I I, I missed that part about Mixon's. That was his name? Yeah. It wasn't just a, no. a nickname. Mixon's. That's such a great name for a cook. Um, when he was feeling burnt out, Mike Johnson, uh, he, uh, one of his co-workers, Carolyn Downs, they both wanted to do something different. They wanted to try something new. Uh, Carolyn was a pastry chef, I believe. At Cyrano's. Yes. And so she wanted to do something with pies, and Mike wanted to do something with barbecue, and that's where the sugar fire came up. Mm. And actually, if you go to the original Olivet location... They have a sugar fire pie shop right next to it. And you can get their pies in all of their locations. Um, I've not actually been inside the pie shop, but I've had one or two of them. And they are just as good as their barbecue. I have a friend who swears by their pie. Um, <laughs> that it is the best pie she has ever had. And I agree with her. I mean, I've had three pieces of it, and it's life-changing. I would pay $22 for a full pie of theirs and eat it all in one sitting. Sounds totally worth it. I know. So, Sugar Fire. It's definitely a place you need to go to. If you ever come through St. Louis or you just happen to be in Indiana, it is totally worth it. It's a bit expensive. I mean, but all barbecue is. Yeah. Um, But it's very local grown food. Um, It's very local items that they choose. I know in St. Louis they try and pull in a lot of other companies uh, a lot of brands i've seen them pull in some red hot ripplets sometimes which is a local potato chip company um just they did a partnership a few years ago with strange donuts uh, which is a another incredible place here in st louis that we have where they make craft donuts i guess is the best way to describe it artisan donuts craft artisan i, Speci- I like that specialty donuts uh, where they made a pulled pork sweet donut. And we took sugar fire pulled pork and put it on top of their donut. Man, I'm mad I missed that one. I know, I know. And it, so it's an amazing place. They have locations all throughout St. Louis. I was actually reading that if you go any place in St. Louis, there's a sugar fire somewhere within the area. Um, I, mean, I think they said right here, I'm looking seven miles or so 10 miles you know within the area that you could go to and it is there's lines out the door for lunch and dinner yeah we my wife and i hadn't been for probably close to a year or so before today because the couple of times we had gone uh well we were meeting up while on my lunch break at work and we'd go and the line would literally be out the door every single time we tried we just didn't even have time to wait i don't know why we didn't make more time but it's even now still that popular. It's and on their door it says that I believe they open at nine a.m. 
and or maybe no i'm sorry 11 a.m and it says 11 a.m till they run out and that's kind of their model right now and they i think i think they know that they could make more meat but i think that's just kind of the excitement of it like am i going to get there in time for barbecue and i've never seen them close early but i'm always afraid of that one time um and I think the whole idea of them um, and the scope of how much they make. Um, I found an article here from St. Louis Magazine where they talk about just the amount of food that they make each day. They make 1,000 pounds of meat. And that's just, I mean, that's incredible. The amount I can't of even meat. picture that. No. What, what else is 1,000 pounds that we could compare that to? Um... What's a car weigh? Not a thousand pounds. More than a thousand pounds. I mean, a ton is, I think... Two thousand pounds. No. Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) half a ton. uh, Half a ton of meat. They make 300 pounds of Angus brisket flat. So that's their their brisket. um, And that takes 11 to 13 hours for them to cook. And you can taste every single hour of that. And it's it's a smoky, rich grainy meat i mean it's when we were standing in line uh, today for lunch i saw one of their cooks back there pull out one of those slabs fresh set it down and start cutting into it and it looked like he was cutting through butter it was just so soft and ready to be eaten and we ate it and it was amazing yes and then they do 250 pounds of boston butts and that's their pulled pork and that's another 11 to 13 hours um and i think from what I've read in other articles, like they start looking, start preparing. So they'll start preparing for Monday tonight at nine, eight o'clock when they close down. I think it's even before that. I think they're, they're getting ready and starting to do numbers by like, well, every, okay. I just found it here. Everything goes in the smoker at about nine, yes, eight yes. o'clock. They start preparing though. At 6.30 with rubbing the meat down, adding seasonings and all that to it. Um, Here's another statistic that I thought was amazing. 210 pounds of baby back ribs. And that's... I mean, that's a lot of ribs. I wonder how many ribs that is on a slab. How many slabs of ribs do you think that would be? I'm going to be honest, I haven't eaten, eaten many ribs in my day. So I couldn't really tell you, but... That weighs more than me, so eating a me's worth of ribs in one day, it's got to be pretty impressive. Yeah, and then 110 pounds of turkey breast. I think that's just, I mean, I can't, that's more than Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't know. This is just one location's worth of meat. This is just their Olivet store. Um, but it says that at 10 o'clock, they put everything in the smoker. They lock it up overnight outside. And then the pit crew arrives at 5 a.m. the next morning. And they start checking temperatures on it. Um, they want everything to be around 145 degrees, I think. A little bit above 145 degrees. They try and keep their smokers around 225, which we learned was like the perfect smoking temperature. Um I would love to keep my smoker at that temperature, but I, my smoker's not very good. Um, it requires a lot of charcoal and uh, lump wood and wood to keep it that hot. 
they have a gas grill or a gas smoker. So um, by 8.30, they are already starting to pull ribs off and putting glaze on them. Um, 10 o'clock, they start doing salmon, which I didn't realize they had salmon. I didn't either. Um, until reading this article, but I mean, I would try smoked salmon from them. I mean, everything else I've had from them is amazing. Why, why not fish? I love fish. Um, then they also do portobello caps, corn on the cob, artichokes, and other sides are added to their smokers about 10, 15 to get that good smoky taste. Um, and 11 o'clock their doors open and they start serving and... The I mean, that's starts. when the line, the line starts out the door. I would say people wait for eleven o'clock. I'm sure there are people do, and then the, the circle starts all over again. That's the the circle of life right there. For the smoker, it rules us all. So, I would totally think Sugar Fire is a must go place if you're in St. Louis, and I would say it's one of the many amazing barbecue places we have up here. Um, I mean, just to think off the top of my head, Pappy's, Adam's Smokehouse, uh, Bogard's, uh, I mean, there's just super smokers. That's just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I've seen lists. Uh, I've got a magazine over behind us of the best, I think it's 50 best barbecue joints here in St. Louis. Um, It's a lifestyle up here. Definitely. All right. I'm ready for my food coma. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think we passed the point where we can do that now, maybe after the show. So, again, like I said before, barbecue is one of our three that I've had the, the least experience with. So I wanted to do a little bit of background on it so I actually knew, or at least sounded like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and you guys can let me know if I do or not because I probably don't. Um, but I wanted to get a little more background, uh, do a little more research on that. And... I didn't get a ton done because I'm a procrastinator, but there was a lot about barbecue that I just kind of, uh, a lot of assumptions that I had totally wrong. For instance, barbecue and grilling are not the same thing. Correct. If you are having a quote unquote barbecue and all you have is a charcoal grill, then you are not barbecuing, you are grilling. At least if you're in America. Because apparently barbecuing in different parts of the world is a little bit different. Uh, So what I found that in America, uh, modern day America, barbecuing is uh, cooking meat. I guess stuff other than meat. But cooking meat using indirect heat at a low temperature. uh, Cooking it through the smoke, through the indirect heat over the course of several hours until you get to that uh, good internal temperature that you want. Whereas grilling is what you'd picture on a charcoal grill, cooking over direct high heat, like 500 degrees. I think, like you mentioned, Kevin, uh, barbecuing is usually taking place in the mid-200s, like 240 to 280, 225. Um, Just a good, consistent temperature, and you're getting a lot of flavor through the spices that you put on the meat, through the type of wood or the coal or whatever you're using to heat that, and... That was something that I obviously didn't realize. I think the difference between grilling and smoking is grilling can be done in a matter of minutes. Smoking requires long, extended periods of time. You're looking at between 
six to ten hours for some meats. Um, but grilling, you can put chicken on a grill and grill it in 25 minutes, you know. Um, grilling is the much quicker way of getting barbecue or getting grilled meats done. I always think of grilling as uh, the big propane tank on the side of the grill. The flames always shooting up and... I don't think you see much flames in a in a smoker. You, you no, want those it nice sound like you should. embers mm-hmm. um, burning slow and slow and low, as they say. Yeah, this uh, spring summer, I I committed myself to learning how to grill. Although at the time, I thought grill slash barbecue was kind of synonymous, so I thought I was barbecuing, um, breaking out my charcoal griller and and learning how to use that better. And I I think I've accomplished that. Done a lot of grilling over the last several months, but now that I've realized that. There's a difference. I definitely want to start trying to to barbecue. And one of the other interesting things that I learned in, in trying to get some background on it is that barbecuing of uh, our topics is one of the older traditions. Um, whereas I thought it was more of a, a modern day creation, it actually hails back to like the 1400s, 1500s, I think from the, um, the Central South America regions is where... Uh, I think that's the... M- the barbecue barbacoa type tasting barbecue which is more of a your cow meat kind of because i think they i mean they would barbecue barbecue pigs over spits and things like that in europe during the middle ages and all that and i think that's what you all see like when you think of the arthurian legends you know the big old pit with a pig and a spit through it, rotating over the fire with the apple. But I think the barbacoa, which is what which you were kind of talking about, that Central American style, is the start of the modern barbecue like we have now. Well, and I think what I was reading is that the word barbecue is kind of hills back to uh, the way they did it back then. And I, I don't remember exactly what it comes out to. Let me see if I can find it real quick. The word described how they cooked the meat, which is just they had a wooden spit just held up over an open flame. It's kind of what it literally translated to, which I I butchered that totally. But that's kind of the mindset where the original barbecues, quotes, were just little holes dug in the ground filled with wood and you cook the meat over top of it, which is... It's it's neat that that's pretty much still what we do today. We got a little fancier with it, but for the We're most part, that's holes. right. Some people do. Yeah, I mean, and I, I kind of want to try that now. So funny story. My wife's uncle used to go to a local park here in St. Louis. He would go late at night, dig a giant hole. He would get a pig and roast the pig in the middle of the park, put coals down. Cover back up with like um, banana leaves and things like that, and then cover back up, and then later that day, like late at night, would come back and get his barbecue from the middle of the park, and nobody disturbed it, but it would cook and, I mean, it's kind of Hoosier, but, I mean, I guess it sounds good. I would love to try it. Well, and it's it's neat too because, you know, barbecue as a word doesn't describe just the style of cooking which is a little bit what i read into it also describes the event the gathering i mean barbecues are so american 
and they don't fit in a particular type of year. You can have a barbecue whenever. You know, people are willing to go outside. Some parts of the country are a little hard to go outside, but I've seen people do it and while they're wearing coats. It's just a great way to get together with people, uh, to have time to talk, chat. It's, it's one of those great American traditions uh, with some of that great American food, yeah. some of that great American beer. And I think that leads us into a good transition into our, our next little topic. We're going to try some, some new beer. It's a new old beer, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later on why it's a new old beer, but we're going to try Schlafly's Pilsner today. Um, so we're going to go take a quick little break and try some of that, and we will be back. Guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I was so bummed I couldn't make it to this week's episode, but I'm enjoying two of my best friends having fun talking about some great barbecue and awesome St. Louis brew. They're grabbing a beer from the fridge, so if you're listening and are in a position to do the same, please do. Also, check out the show notes of this week's episode for all of our Instagram accounts and our online store. Hey, enough of me yammering. Let's get back to Sauced on Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue. And we are back from our break. Um, We've moved from talking about barbecue now to drinking an amazing beer. Um, We are drinking Schlafly's Pilsner. Alex, this is your first time drinking Schlafly's Pilsner. It is amazing. Uh, this is my second one I've had of theirs. Um, and it's really exciting that we're drinking this Pilsner because Schlafly has been around since 1991. They started their tap room in 1991, downtown St. Louis. And this is one of their first original beers. Um, they have 60 beers right now that they brew. And they decided to bring this one back. Um, And I'm very happy they did. It is a fantastically crisp, light beer. Um, I think it's a perfect example of a Pilsner. It's something that you can drink quite a few of, which could be dangerous. No, it's fine. It's just a couple of beers. Um, it's not heavy. It's got a very good hop taste to it. It's got a bitterness. I mean, Alex is holding up right now like it's a golden gift. And the light is shining through it. And you just see all these little tiny bubbles coming up from the bottom of it. And it's this crisp, clean, amber color. I mean, it's just... It's beautiful. I think you're right by calling it a golden gift because that is exactly what it looks like. And thank you for this gift. Um, I've not had many Pilsners. It's not a style that I'm as familiar with. But after trying this one, I definitely want to get more familiar. Because it tastes like... It's definitely on the lighter side. Lately, I've been trying more darker beers, more porters, more stouts. And I like those a lot because you can just sip on those. You don't need to eat. You can just... Sit back on the couch, your recliner, slowly sip on that as you're talking with friends, watching a movie, and, and I love that. Um, but for something lighter, this has a lot of flavor compared to the other things that I have. Uh, like I said on, on one of our previous shows, my family, their go-to is Bud Light. Or, if they want to get crazy, Bud Light Lime. Ooh. Neither of which I really care for. <clears throat> And 
it's funny, one of the articles that I read about Schlafly's Pilsner, the author makes a similar comparison on how Pilsners as a style, he feels have been kind of swept under the rug and caught up in the category with um, some of those, what I've heard people refer to as kind of factory beers. They're not as focused on flavor as they are just being mass-produced, just getting out there, being drinkable, being cheap. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just personally don't enjoy those styles of beers as much, your your Bud Light, your Coors Light, uh, the more accessible beers. And I think I, too, did the same thing, and I heard those compared, and I, I thought, eh, I'd rather have something with more flavor. And I am uh, uh, very surprised at how much flavor this one has. I think it's a perfect barbecue beer. Like you were just talking about a little while ago, you know, barbecue, getting together with friends and just hanging out and all that. I think it's a fine example of a barbecue beer. Yeah, I think this would be a great one to have. Um, I can picture myself drinking this um, while you're standing out, out in the sun, because it's really cool. It's really refreshing. And like you said, it's um, it's light. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much flavor as it has, it's light. It's not sitting real heavy on my stomach, and I feel like I could have two or three of these easy. So to kind of back up a little bit, we said that this is a staple of the Schlafly beer line. Um, so much a staple that their founder, um, Stephen Schlafly, or I'm sorry, Tom Schlafly, has his license plate as Pilsner. That's how much of a staple this is. Uh, they're... They're just starting to re-release it, like we said. Um, And I'm extremely excited about it. To kind of give you a little bit of tasting notes, more that, you know, so you can kind of... I know you're not drinking at home with us, but you can kind of picture in your head. Uh, While on the lighter side, this exceptional example of a traditional Pilsner is still rich with flavor, with a medium body, malt character, even evened out with earthy aromas, hoppy bitterness, and a crisp finish. That that sounds right. When I tried this, I said when I when I had my first sip is it it tastes very weedy. It reminded me of like a um, homemade loaf of bread. That kind of carb craving it it hit me right there and it was really really good. And it's got a 5.0 ABV, so alcohol by volume, um, and then it's a 30 on the international bitter units. Is that, I believe that's correct. Bitterness. Bitterness units. Um, it's, I would totally recommend it. Uh, Schlafly uses magnesium and tenagen hops. Again, we bring the German into this, but uh, they're a German style hops, um, and it was interesting to learn about pilsners researching it they're actually from a part of the czech republic or czechoslovakia um and they they've kind of influenced the american beer scene um it's a very light beer almost like a table beer kind of like a farm style lager that you know you could you could enjoy this uh with a meal really no matter what you're having i think it would pair well with most foods yeah, I agree. And again, I think that comes back to it not being very heavy. While it still has a good, uh, light flavor that kind of, again, reminds me of bread. And I think that's probably why it, it would go so well with everything. Because you always have bread with all your meals. At right. least I do. I love yeah. bread. And I think 
the lemony taste as well. There's a little bit of a lemon. It's very light. You said when we were started tasting, you said you can smell a fruitiness of it. I wouldn't have said lemon and tasting it. I don't think I would say just without really thinking about it that there's a lemon zest to it. But bringing it up, yeah, I think it's it's very mild, but it's it's present. And that adds, again, to its profile, which sets it apart from just being a, a light beer. Yeah. I would totally recommend this as well. I think this is going to go into my, if you're looking for a good beer that's a starting point, a jumping off point into the world of beer, I would say this is a great intro to it. Um, And hopefully it starts becoming a little bit more available. Um, I know a few weeks ago we found out about it and you said that you went to a store to look for it and... They, they didn't have it yet. Um, it's only been out since, I think, late August, I want to say. Yeah, I was going to say about a month. And, I mean, I will definitely be buying another six-pack of it. Yeah, me too. I, I love this. Um, so, Alex, you had mentioned while you were pouring your beer that there was something that you really wanted to bring up today on the podcast that just has been a life-changing experience for you yes thanks for reminding me kevin and life-changing is not an understatement and i i feel bad that lucas isn't here because he's the one that shared this with me um he showed me a video uh talking about the proper way to pour beer and i was doing it totally wrong so they they mentioned the two ways the way that people often do it incorrectly and then the proper way to do it and the incorrect way that I was always doing was pouring the beer so that it slid down the side of the glass from from start to finish. And I thought that this preserved some of the flavor, um, preserved the carbonation, uh, which turns out that's true, and that's part of the problem. So on this video that we saw, this guy poured a beer totally down the side. Uh, When he was done, it didn't have any of the head, any of the foam on it. Um, So it didn't look as appealing, but... I didn't think that was a big deal. Uh, And then what he did is he took, I think it was a rag, and he just stuck it inside the beer and moved it around just a little bit, and it it almost exploded. It was like one of those first-grade science fair projects where you make a volcano with baking soda and vinegar. If you've never done it, try it. It's super fun, especially if you have kids. Uh, But he did that, and the carbonation just, just took off. And the point he made, which I thought made a lot of sense, is if you pour a beer like that, you drink it, the carbonation is still in there and it's sitting in your stomach like that. Let's say you grab a couple of chips, you're eating nachos, whatever, and you start eating it, and that's what happens inside your stomach. Some good barbecue? Some good barbecue would do the exact same thing. It would disturb all the carbonation and it would just volcano in your stomach, out your throat, out of your mouth. That didn't quite happen to me, but the last several times I've had a beer that I poured into a glass... Because that is my preferred way to drink it. I've I've had that feeling like I've like I'm just stuffed, like I'm bloated, and I didn't get why the last couple of times I noticed it because usually it's the first meal that I've had in, in several hours, and so I'm like, why am I feeling so bloated? This doesn't make sense. And when he showed me that video, it made perfect sense. So what he recommended, and what I've tried since then, is when you're pouring the beer, you know, maybe start off pouring a little bit on the side because you don't want a glass full of foam. But maybe once you get about 
a third to halfway, just pour it hard right in on top. And then all of that carbonation kind of explodes right there in the glass. So you still get a little bit of it, and but then you get that head, and the carbonation doesn't explode inside, your, inside of your stomach. And since then, it, it really has made a big difference. I don't feel bloated anymore, and you get a lot more, in my opinion, I'm getting a lot more of the taste. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I've tried it a few times. I definitely like that way, but I'm still more of a bottle drinker, just drinking out of the bottle. Um, but the flavors and all that, I feel like everything just exploded, like, openness when you pour it the correct way. And it's definitely something I'm glad Lucas would showed us. I wish he would have found it about three years ago, four years ago, but, you know, way to we go, can't Lucas. complain. We can't complain. And we can't talk bad about him because he's not here to defend himself. No. We'll talk bad about him next time. So let's move into our final little segment. We're going to move into our pick of the week. Um, Alex, do you want to go first? I will go first. This week, um, I was really craving something different, something I hadn't had in a while. And my... It wasn't my introduction, but before I really got into beer drinking and bourbon drinking, we'd go out to happy hours at work, and I didn't want to have nothing, because that was boring. And sometimes people are a little hard to talk to, so I wanted to have a little bit to drink. And my go-to uh, was always uh, rum and coke, uh, specifically Captain Morgan's rum and coke, so Captain and Coke, uh, which is still something I very much enjoy. Definitely not gotten away from that. So this week I wanted to try something new, and we went to the store, and they had a Captain Morgan's Coconut Spice Rum. So if you've had Malibu on, along the same flavor train, this one I actually liked a lot more than Malibu. Um, so I got that, got a pack of Coke, and I had some uh, a jar of maraschino cherries for my old fashions. So I've been scooping the juice into there and making a cherry coconut rum and Coke, which has just been amazing you're so fancy i just love a fancy fruity drink every now and again do you put a little umbrella in it if i had an umbrella i would totally do that so my pick of the week um it's becoming fall we've talked about october beers we've talked about Oktoberfest, pumpkin beers um and it's that time of the year where the bourbon starts getting very good the special releases start coming out in my pick of the week, I've seen two people post it. Hopefully, I'm going to be getting a bottle of Stag Jr. for extremely cheap. How cheap is it, Kevin? So cheap. No, I, I've seen pictures of $38, $44, $50. Um, I've got a friend in Texas. Shout out to Nate. Um, who's going to hopefully be bringing me up a bottle for christmas time he said he could ship it to me now and we could worry about it getting broken confiscated me paying extra for shipping or i could just wait till christmas and he said he'd bring me a bottle for 44 dollars and i was totally willing to wait till christmas for a 44 dollar bottle of stag jr because anywhere up here in st louis you're looking at 85 on the cheap end to 120 dollars at certain places I think the cheapest we found it was $75, I think we saw it once, which it's a great bottle. I think we've had a sample of we've it. We've had a few samples. And it was, I, I really want to try more, but $75 for all the other good bottles out there, and my budget right now at least is still oh, a yeah. little steep. Oh yeah, I think both our budgets, that's a, it's yeah. a, 
uh, bottle and no more bottles for the rest of the month. I think yeah. I'd rather have a couple cheaper bottles and keep the uh, shelf well stocked. For sure. So we're going to wrap it up there. Um, Alex, tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram right now, you can find me at the Alex Experiment. So the dot Alex dot Experiment. You can see all the, the goofy things or not so goofy things that I'm up to. You can find a picture of your uh, your scary dairy burger. Yes, go on there. It looks amazing. I want another one, especially that Buffalo Mac bite, which I opened up real nice for y'all. Um, and I'm Kevin. You can find me at beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue. Um, and you can find all my amazing pictures of beer and barbecue. Um, you can find our show research from this week of us trying different foods. Um, just, I post my life, kind of. My life in barbecue and beer and bourbon. Hmm. And Lucas will we'll throw out his handle, even though he's not here. He is Lucas Ellers on Instagram. Um, he is out doing a audio installation. Um, I think he just posted a picture of uh, from yesterday of his Frisbee golf backpack that he's making. Um, he's always got some fun stuff there. Um, but you can also find us on... Uh, we have a website. Well, I guess a shop site where you can buy some amazing shirts and uh they're all related to beer, bourbon, and barbecue. Uh, that is www.shopbeerbourbonbarbecuebbqagain.com. Uh, um, we'd love for you to buy a shirt, take some pictures with it, share share those pictures with us. We'd love seeing what you're doing in them. Um, there's some pretty amazing shirts. So, Alex, anything you want to say before we close it out today? No, yeah, share your stories with us. Again, That's this is why we're here. We want to meet you we want to interact we want to learn more about uh this community that's grown around these these topics and experience that with you and if you want to reach out to us um <clears throat> ask us questions get to know us a little bit more we've got an email which is hello at shop beer bourbon bbq.com and uh thanks for listening and again we are alex and kevin and make sure you stay sauced.